Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horsebook authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horsebook. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horsebooks, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi everyone, I'm Carly Cade, and welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Show. Today, I am so fortunate to have children's book author Ray Raken on the show. Welcome, Ray. Great to have you. Thank you for having me, Carly. This is so fun. Ray Raken is an independent marketing and graphic design consultant transplanted from sunny central California to the wilds of Utah. After two landlocked years, no, the Great Salt Lake is not a substitute, her family was transferred to the Pacific Northwest. Four years later, she has come full circle and returned to California. Ray has always had a passion for writing and reading. Cowgirl Lessons was her first children's book. She released Beach Day and Cowgirl Christmas, in 2018 and Mountain Girl in 2019. She is currently working on a fifth children's book. Ray lives with a loving, supporting husband, here's to horse husbands, teenage <laughs> daughter that is an equestrian, a dog who has her own business cards, and a neurotic cat who eats plastic houseplants. Now that is quite an introduction. I, I would love to hear more <laughs> about your daughter and your fur babies, specifically a dog who has her own business cards and a neurotic cat who eats plastic houseplants. It sounds like you have a lot of entertainment going on over there. I definitely do. Um, so kind of the dog, we'll start with there. Um, she is an official rogue dog. If you've ever heard of rogue beers, they are, they have dog mascots and she is a rogue dog ambassador and does really have her own business cards that says <laughs> Penny Sue rogue dog ambassador. Well, and tell us so more she, about how, how did that happen? Like, and tell us more about a rogue dog ambassador. I, I don't know that I've ever heard of that. I'd love to know yes, so, um, there's a brewery called Rogue and they are um, an Oregon brewery and uh, they've always had a lab as a mascot and they welcome dogs into their brew houses and a few years ago, they ran a contest to get your dog as a rogue dog ambassador. And so we submitted a picture of our dog with rogue beer and she won a spot. And so she is a rogue dog ambassador. So we can take her with us into all the breweries and she has an official caller that's a rogue beer caller and her business cards and away we go. How cool is that? What, how fun, you have a famous dog. That's yeah, so right. And she, she does have her own Instagram account and it's Rogue Dog Penny. So if you want to check out her on Instagram, she's there. <laughs> that is so cool. How fun. Everybody go gallop over there and check her out. Rogue Dog Penny on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. like, that's exciting. Yes. And then we have a rescue cat um, that for some reason, the only thing, like she doesn't eat regular houseplants, but we have this plastic, you know, decorative planter that we've had for a while. And she'll jump up wherever it's been, she'll jump up on the counter and eat it. And it's like, why are you eating that? It's plastic. But she continues to eat it no matter where we go. That is so, hilarious. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've tried putting it up high because she is rather fat because she's a house cat, but she'll jump up wherever it is and just mow it down. 
Wow, that's. Uh, I wonder how. I wonder if there's any nutritional value in plastic. I don't know. Apparently, she thinks so. So that's awesome. And then uh, you asked about our daughter. So um, we have a 14-year-old daughter, obviously, um, and she has been writing since she was six. We actually put her on her first course at three, um, but she did start taking lessons here in California um, on Duchess, who is the star of my books. Uh, she was a, an Arabian Welsh pony, um, and uh, she just absolutely loves horses. She continued to ride when we were in Washington. Um, she rode for an Appaloosa barn, and uh, they're pretty, they do a lot of Western and um, that sort of thing. So then when we came back, we started riding again with her same instructor, and um, so she's riding on a youth Arabian team, and uh, they've been the national champion for 2016 and 2018. Well, so that's exciting. Yeah, they, they did really well this year, so we're hoping for another national championship. So Ray, uh, obviously you're a horse show mom, you know, and, and yeah. horse show moms are very important. They, t they take care of all the things behind the scenes and help their, help their children, you know, do the best and they can in the show pen. And you have a lot of responsibility being a horse show mom. Were you a, a horse rider or a horse lover or, or did your, was your daughter the first step you took into the world of horses? Um, actually, no, it's kind of been in our family for a long, long time. Um, my mother and my grandmother used to spend summers in Wyoming. Um, they lived in Chicago. My grandfather was a chef on the Santa Fe Railroad. And so they used to go down and they'd stop in Wyoming and they'd hop off the train and they'd stay there for a month and ride at a ranch in Wyoming. And then when my sister and I were growing up, my mom would take us out to um, one of the doctor's ranches in Northern California. He, he had a bunch of horses. We'd ride there. And then on my husband's side, everybody rides horses there. So it's kind of full circle. That's fantastic. So it runs in the family, this love of horses. How, how yeah. exciting. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, thank you for introducing us to your furry friends with their fun stories and your daughter, the equestrian, and you talked about your loving, supportive husband in your bio, which is, you know, we can't do it without our horse husbands. And it's fantastic yep. <laughs> that he loves horses too. I'm getting my hubby into horses as well. Um, so that kind of like moves us into the space where we can talk about, you know, your books, you write children's books. So, you know, and, and the first one was Cowgirl Lessons, which I loved and adored and purchases Christmas gifts for my nieces and they totally love those books. Um, so what, you know, what excites you about writing children's books? Like how, how did you decide to, to do that and, and take that on? Well, um, I've been writing forever, as long as I can remember. Um, I actually, I think about like the first story that I can remember writing was actually a horse story um, back, this would probably date me. Um, I grew up in a small town in Northern California called Mount Shasta, and Mount Shasta is a volcano. And in third grade, that was when Mount St. Helens erupted for the first time. And so our teacher was teaching us about volcanoes and everything. And so I wrote this story about this horse dragging a rock up to the top of the mountain and plugging the volcano with this giant rock. So that's kind of my first horse story that I ever wrote. And then I've been writing kind of off and on, but had never published anything and um, leads us to, to cowgirl lessons. Um, I had heard that our loving Duchess, the horse that Lizzie rode, had passed away. And oh, so I wanted sorry. to memorialize her because she had such an impact on 
um, all the kids that rode for um, white horse dressage out here. And um, so I kind of wanted to keep her alive, if you will, because she was so special. And so I had started writing what I thought was going to be just a poem. And the more I got into it, it was like, I could turn this into a children's book and share that love with everybody. And um, then, of course, there's that whole process of illustrators and all that. So um, as soon as I had done that first one, it was like I kind of found myself, you know, mm. and, it, and seeing that connection with the kids and the parents. And after that first book, Cowgirl Lessons, and I was just like, this is it. You found your calling. That's that's yeah. so fantastic. And and uh, good on you for memorializing Duchess. You know, the horses are such a special thing and they, they touch us in so many different ways. And that's such a lovely way to, you know, remember a horse that touched your life. So that's really cool. Um, so you've written, you've written four children's books so far, you know, obviously we're talking about your calling and you've, you're working on a fifth. So in, yes. and, and not all of them have horses, um, but they, they do follow the same character. Is that yes. right? Like, tell us a little That's bit correct. about your, your character and her journeys that she's been experiencing in her, in her books through the series. Yeah, so it, I kind of model it after my family. Um, so, you know, it's my husband, myself, and our daughter, and um, the dog, Penny. She's in Beach Day. Um, but just kind of our adventures have so far. But I do it purposefully. I don't actually name any of the people in the books, except for Miss Valerie, who is the instructor, um, because I want the kids to be able to say, oh, that's me, when they're reading the book, you know, and not say, give them a name. So that, it, it's a challenge that way, but um, that's kind of was my thought process as I was doing it. So That's really um, unique. That's really unique. I haven't, heard, I haven't heard of that before. And, and I think you wrote, them, you wrote them so well, I didn't even realize the characters didn't have names except for Miss Valerie. But that's right. It's, it's, yeah, it's really they, interesting. They don't. So, you know, obviously the horses have names. Um, Duchess is so far the only one named, but the, it's, it's kind of funny because the ones that are in the book actually are modeled after horses that have been in our life. Um, and uh, so Cowgirl Lessons obviously is the first one about the lessons and the Cowgirl Christmas, the Christmas story. And then Beach Day takes place in one of our favorite um, beach spots in Oregon. And um, Mountain Girl takes place in a small mountain town that we like to go to um, just north of Tahoe. And there is actually a scene in there where they do go horseback riding. So they, they came in that way. Um, and then the newest book that I'm working on now, I'll just tease you guys, is um, Cowgirl and the Ghost Horse. So it's kind of my first venture that's not quite like something that's happened. So it's a little more imaginative, mm -hmm. but um, we'll, we'll see the horse come back. Fun. That's so exciting. And I, I love that this is, you know, your calling and in, in what you what you wanted to do. I had a lot of fun uh, preparing for this interview and galloping around your website and your blog and taking a look at the things that you're up to. And you have some really informative blog posts on, on your blog. So in one of them, you mentioned that it, it is really important for someone um, before they get too far down the path of being an author to do their research on the business aspect of this career. You know, and, and what, I'll link to that blog post in the show notes here so people can go and, and read your full blog post, which was really wonderful. But 
what do you think are some of the need to knows or resources that you would recommend aspiring authors to look into before they even get to the point of publishing a book? Obviously, writing your book first is the most important thing to do, like get the words on paper <laughs> right. before you go into any of this stuff, because you know, after you've written the book, then all these things fall into place. So write the book first, but then, you know, when you're, you're looking to get ready to publish, what are some of the things that you recommend, Ray? Um, well, if you do and you can talk to a business lawyer for sure, because there's so many things that um, aspects of running a business that you just may not know, or even your accountant. Um, but you need to go online, check the local laws, like do I need a city business license? Do I need a county business license? Does my state require me to have a business license? Do all those pieces because um, some states may not even require you to have a license. But like here in California, I have to have a county business license. Um, and then of course, if you're gonna sell, you have to have a resale permit, at least in California. But those are the things that um, a good, business lawyer will be able to tell you and again the, the internet is a huge resource um, i know the state of california has a small business administration check with them because there's so much information there um, even though you don't really think oh i'm an author i'm a business am i a business am i not a business but in you are eventually you're going to be selling those books and so you do have to um, account for it somehow mm -hmm. and obviously check for the laws that that may impact you and that and that's great advice and and don't let it scare scare you off either it's just i think this is a cautionary tale of like making sure you dot your i's and cross your t's and exactly. make sure that you you know what you're getting yourself into because you are starting a business and i think um you know that was something that i think surprised me when i you know wrote my book it's like yes you're you're creative but there's also this you know legal aspect to what you're creating and doing that you're going to be accountable for. So just knowing what you need to be responsible for before you run out of the gate is always a great way to prepare and, and help you on this journey. So thank, thank you mm -hmm. for sharing that, Ray. That's yeah, and I mean, yeah, in my case, I was lucky. I've worked with um, companies who started businesses from the ground up. So I kind of knew some of those steps, but there's so many people, like you're saying, you know, you get started, you write this book and suddenly you're like, now what? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And don't forget, you know, other authors are resources. I, I, you know, a lot of people reach out to me and ask me questions. I'm sure you get a lot of questions too, Ray. And, and we're here, we're a community. So we can, we can help you if you get stuck or where do I start or always happy to unite, authors unite. So oh, exactly. um, for sure. Yeah. And what's really exciting and interesting to me is that you decided to independently publish your children's books. Is that right? I did. Yeah. Would you um, tell us a little bit about why you decided to, to go that route? Well, I started when I first had Cowgirl Lessons ready to go and I had done some research. I, I had actually helped um, a friend of mine who wrote a book called Together. His name is Derek Hines. Not a horse book, but it's a really cute book. Um, I helped him put his book together and he self decided to self-publish. But I did a bunch of research before I helped him. And um, it was interesting to, when you're working with children's books, that the publishers just want the story. They don't want the artwork. Um, they would rather just take it, publish it, and, or take it and do, get the illustrator and um, put it together. So you don't have any control over that. And I had initially submitted Cowgirl Lessons to several different um, 
potion companies. And I had not heard back. And after, you know, after so many months, you're like, okay, enough. I've got the rejection. I get it. And um, I decided I would do the self-publishing route and just see what happened, you know. And when I, after I had done that, it was like, okay, now I like this because I am in control of everything. I control the art. I control the editing. I control how I market. And even if you're traditionally published, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to help you market. So in a sense, I'm still doing it all, mm -hmm. whether I traditionally published or um, independently published. So. I have since then just done the independent marketing or independent publishing and it's working for me. That's fantastic. And your books are so beautiful and terrific. And I love the illustrations. I love that you have the creative control over how that turned out because they're, they're so cute and perfect. I think they perfectly fit the book, which is a, you know, a great segue into, you know, how did you go about finding your illustrator for these wonderful children's books? And, and, and what do people need, need to know? And what did you learn about actually working with an illustrator? Like, I'm sure you have to share rights or, or you know, there's probably a lot of moving pieces there. Would you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I actually found my illustrator on Fiverr. Um, I, it's a great site and it can be a terrible site. I mean, there's pluses and minuses, I, I say, Go in it and check it out. It's great, but also go in with caution because there's a lot of just people who aren't, I don't know what the word I want is, but there, there are some people out there who want to take advantage of people like us that are looking for um, illustrators or any kind of job you can get off there. But I got lucky and I found Jason, who is a, an art student in Peru of all places. And um, I started working with him on Calgary lessons and then obviously it's continued. But now I work directly with him. I don't use the Fiverr um, system anymore. So um, I would say the things about finding an illustrator, obviously you need to find someone who creates art that, for what you want, you know, because there's tons of different things out there, um, different styles, that sort of thing. Um, but then when you're getting ready to work with them, obviously you want to discuss cost. Now see with Jason, I work illustration by illustration with him, but I could also work like the whole, uh, just one lump sum. Like I'd pay him so much money and then he does all the illustrations. Uh, it's just easier for me to work with him one at a time. And then um, I own the commercial rights for all the art. So very important. The art, very yeah, important. the art technically is still his because he was creative, but I can use the art for commercial, so I could put it on cards or posters or anything like that and sell that if I wanted to. Um, I and think that's, that's really, yeah, really I was critical. Say, would you talk a little bit about that? Would you, did you build that into like your um, agreement or legal yeah. document with him? Mm -hmm. yeah. Would, yeah. would you talk a little bit more about that? I think that's important. So um, just when we were working together to just discuss what was gonna happen, and with the documents just made sure that all that was tidied up and that's again go back into getting your lawyer and getting your people together so that when you ha make these agreements that you know you have the commercial rights to your art mm -hmm. that's that's really interesting and then i imagine before you found jason you probably had to i don't know interview or or get samples from various different artists until you you 
found what you were looking for with Jason? Is, did you have to go through quite a few illustrators before you um, found him? Or I did. I had about four um, that I went through before I chose him. Um, and just different styles. So I knew kind of what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. But um, finding the person to actually come up with it. I mean, it's 10, well, maybe a thousand times better than what I anticipated. But, um, you know, and it's interesting too to watch him progress because I think he's gotten better as we've gone along, you know, more details and whatnot. Um, but um, that process of seeing what people can produce because there's, believe it or not, there's just like writing, there's a lot of good stuff out there and there's a lot of bad stuff out there. And so finding that, that right fit. Yeah, and, uh, and you obviously did. I mean, your books are beautiful and, and his work is fantastic. And, and it's just the horses are, are so cute. And I just, I think, I just love the artwork. So you, you definitely found the right person to match your stories. So how, let's, so I'm interested in, in how the independent process of formatting a children's book looks. Like how, how did you, do that because you know like children's books are different shapes and um you know certain kinds of paper to make it have the shiny sheen and then you know and, and who did you use to actually independently publish that did you go through amazon's arm or did you use another um system i'm just so curious because uh children's books are completely out you know different from my realm i write fiction so i would love to hear about the process of formatting for self-publication um so i did a lot of research um, before I even started, even even before I started working with Jason, um, because I wanted to know like things like standard size for your book. You know, there's traditional sizes for children's books, and then there's non-traditional sizes. And um, so I did research on that and found out that bookstores don't like to carry a book if it's not a traditional size. So making sure I chose something that was a traditional size was important. Um, and that was just a matter of doing research, finding children's, uh, children's author pages, like groups on Facebook, um, and asking questions of people like you and me, uh, and saying, what do I do? Um, and so making that determination, that was a, a starting point. Um, I also ha I happen to be a graphic designer, so I did all the layout and formatting for my book. But um, if you're not a graphic designer, finding a good graphic designer and you can go out there's all kinds of resources for that and you don't have to pay a ton of money to have that done so um, because I have that experience I knew how to lay out a book I knew the, the process and I even researched um, what type of font to use in a mm. children's book because there's a big difference um, they say in the type of lettering you use in a book that makes it easier for children to read so things that you want to, types of font types that you want to use and font types that you don't. Um, for example, I see a lot of books with Comic Sans and that is like a graphic designer's nightmare. They see that and we're like, no, don't use that. And it really is not a good font to use for a children's book. So, uh, you know, little things like that are important. And so, um, again, doing research and finding out the best way to set up a book. And um, there's, on one of my blog posts, there's a link to a lovely site um, where she talked, another lady, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she talks about the actual layout and what you have to think about when you're putting a book together, like 
um, the page numbers and everything has to be divisible by four because that's how they build books. So things like that you need to know. Wow. It sounds like there's yeah. a lot that goes into it, it but, but you, did, you did the work. You did your due diligence. Yeah. You made sure you knew what you were doing before you went in. And then, of course, it helps that you have the graphic design experience. I think, I think a lot of us independently uh, published authors out here, we have a little bit of corporate background that helps us a little bit in, in taking on our endeavors. So, and, and I imagine the graphic design was in a, a program like um, Photoshop or uh, um, I use InDesign and Adobe InDesign. product InDesign um, to do that. I do use Photoshop because a lot of times Jason will, when he submits the photos to me, they're in an RGB, which is red, green, blue for the a computer screen. And I have to convert those to a four color process. So CMYK. Um, so I do use Photoshop for that. Um, mm -hmm. And so knowing those sorts of things are important because the Publishers, um, like for instance, I do use Amazon and I do use Ingram Spark, and I can talk about that in a minute. Um, but it's important that when you're submitting your book, that you're submitting it in the proper format. And mm. um, the colors won't be as true if you don't submit it in the CMYK, a four color process. So knowing those things is important. Oh, absolutely. And so let me ask you a question. This might be a, a little like, you know, off the off the beaten path, but I'm curious, would you ever consider consulting or doing side projects around formatting for other horse book authors? I'm just wondering if you would be a good resource for that or if it's too daunting and it takes away from what you're actually up to. <laughs> In my mini hats that I wear. No. Right. <laughs> I was talking to my loving husband, as I say, the other night and he, he got um, roped into doing something for his Masonic Lodge, and I just laughed at him. I said, you have sucker written on your forehead just like me. <laughs> so um, yeah, it would depend on the project. I wouldn't mind consulting um, so much. I would have to see if I have the time to balance actually doing a, the project because w obviously with being an equestrian mom and being at the barn, how many days a week I'm at the barn and writing and Absolutely. And, and I asked the question because you're a womanpreneur like I am. And sometimes, you know, there's, it's really interesting to have different um, opportunities to bring, re, re, you know, resources in or, or money into, into the business. So I, I didn't know if that was exactly. something that maybe one day that you would put out there. And, yeah. and was I, I don't say no, because, uh, and even if it's just helping people get in the right direction, I'm mm -hmm. definitely available for any of those kind of questions. That's wonderful. I, you know, it's, it means so much to me when, when we all work together to support each other, because I think we're stronger when we work together and, you know, we all have so much knowledge in different areas. You know, I'm, I'm always the first one to say, Hey, I'll help you. And, and thank you for being <laughs> yes. that, that kind of person too. So that's really wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah. And based on what you were saying, I'm just so curious, what font did you end up going with for your children's book? So comics, so, comic sans is like an absolute no, -no. Comic sans is no, no. So if you open your computer and use comic sans, Hear my voice in your head. Don't do it. So you're going to like be, be behind me, smacking me in <laughs> yeah. the back of the head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I see people that use it. I, I was on some group page the other day and they're like, I'm going to use this font for my coloring book. I'm like, no, please don't. So why, why, it, why is Comic Sans such a, such a no-no? Is it, what, what is it about it? It's, um, well, it's, it has that, because it was so overused back in the, 90s late 90s early 2000s it just is a a font that all graphic designers 
just freak out when you use because it's it's kind of like a little in a way a little kid's font but it's not one that's easy for them to read so hmm. um, lesson learned people no comic yeah. songs no <laughs> i use a font called filson soft for my book okay um and it has a nice um weight to it and easy to read kind of like when your kids are learning how to write and their their letters are so precise and you know straight, you know, lines are straight and that's so great. So, I, you know, that's something that I, I wouldn't have known. So you just offered a, you know, big piece of advice to people who are, you know, starting on their adventures around children's books. So thank you for sharing that. So, and, and again, going back to your blog, like I said, I had fun learning about you on your blog and checking out, you know, what you're doing there. You wrote another blog post, and I think this goes back to being prepared on the business side of being an author, but you wrote a blog post about the importance of ISBNs. Uh, this this topic I know can be confusing for a new author and I was wondering if you would talk a little bit about ISBNs and why knowing about them is really important for a book success. Um, I think the, the most critical thing is every book that's published has to have an identification number and it's very easy to go down that path if you're publishing with Amazon to take the their free book identifier. But the thing to know about that is if you're using that Amazon book identifier, you are not going to be in books in print. And books in print obviously is out there so people can see what's, what's being published. And so um, I think it's for an independent author anyway, for sure. Obviously, if you're traditional, you'll have an ISBN from your publishing house. But as an independent author, it, again, it goes back to control. You're the one controlling everything. And if you're using your own numbers, identifying your books, you have full and complete control. Um, and if you want to make sure it's out there where you can get it into a school or you can get it into a library or you can get it into Barnes and Noble or Powell's or some of the other independent bookstores, that's important. And they will not carry your book if it's just if it doesn't have an ISBN. Right. And then, and you were, you talked in the blog post about how if you go with the Amazon free ISBN, then Amazon becomes the publisher of your book. Correct. That, that's correct. Mm -hmm. And and it won't be published under your publishing house or, or the right. name that, that you choose. It'd be, it's an Amazon product essentially. Right. right? And then right. it can't transfer to these other places because we talk about multiple streams of income. And, and when you're Amazon exclusive, that eliminates all the other areas that you can be selling your books, you know, independent bookstores. Yeah, obviously. So tell, tell people where they can get their own ISBN numbers um, that, that work for all the major uh, book distributors and in, in different. So that is, uh, that is bowker.com. Um, they are the only official place. So you could go out there and if you type ISBN, a ton of things come up and there are resellers out there and, they're actually buying blocks and numbers and then reselling them. Um, and so you have to be extremely careful with that because once again, you are not in control of that number and the, there could be another publishing house. And if that publisher goes out of business, suddenly your book is out there floating um, because there's no publisher for it. Even though technically you're the publisher, it's not, when you look at the whole thing, if you're using somebody else's ISBN number, 
then you don't have that control. So um, take the time, spend the money. I know it's expensive. Um, I bought them. I bought a block of 10 with my first. I, I do numbers. that too. I buy the blocks yeah. of 10. Because in the long run, it's more cost effective. You know, one mm -hmm. is uh, like 125 and 10 is 295, I think. Mm -hmm. And it just makes so much more sense. Plus, as I've mentioned in the blog post, you have to have a different ISBN if you do hardcover, softcover, ebook. Each of those have to have their own ISBN. Audiobook too has to have yeah. their own ISBN. Yeah. So, so each version of one book has to have an indiv individual ISBN. Correct. So, so the website is bokerd, B-O-W-K-E-R.com. And, and that is the official site for buying your ISBNs. And it's, you know, yeah. the only, the only seller of the official ISBN. So again, it's B-O-W-K-E-R.com. And I'll link to that in the show notes. And, and Ray, that is huge, hugely value information, valuable information for authors. Thank you for yeah. telling us about that. And as I mentioned also in my blog, that blog post is watch because they do special sometimes where you might get 10% off and it's worth it. Check if you belong to a, a literary society, like I belong to the Society for Children's Books, Writers and Illustrators, that those groups sometimes put out discounts for buying ISBN. So check your resources before you just go out and, and buy that. Okay. And it's a solid, it's a very important investment in your business and your mm -hmm. books. You know, the, the, these, this investment will last for the life of the books and eventually pay for themselves. So important tip, get your ISBNs yeah. from Booker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another thing I'm really interested in, interested in is your books are in, available through Ingram Spark. Um, and would you talk a little bit about what it is like to publish through Ingram Spark? And then, uh, do you publish exclusively with Ingram Spark, or do you use other publishing sites at the same time? I'm curious because I know there's some real value to working with Ingram Spark because they uh, have a larger distribution arm than than what Amazon does. You can actually libraries can order the books bookstores can order the books. So can you talk a little bit about your experience with Ingram Spark and, and what it's like to publish with them? Yeah, so I actually publish um, on two arms. So I do publish through Amazon, through KDP. The, that's their latest version of, or their latest platform for publishing. Um, and I do that specifically so I can have the book available on Amazon, ready to ship. So you know, you can buy it prime, for example. Um, and then I also publish through Ingram Spark just for the sake of getting it to libraries and schools, like you mentioned. And it's pretty much the same, um, like preparing the, the actual file, the interior file is pretty much the same preparation. The cover is a little different um, just because they have different specs. Um, so, Spending that time and understanding what they want, obviously, as a graphic designer, I can figure that out. But um, if you're working with a graphic designer, have them do um, the research through KDP and through Ingram Spark because obviously um, there's different ways to set that up. So um, Ingram Spark is really great um, in terms of um, the fact that you can you do have the ability to get into the schools and um, the bookstores, the independent bookstores, they'll be able to purchase your books through them. So 
um, going through them, um, you can do obviously soft cover, you can do hard cover, um, and you have the ability to choose better paper stock through Ingram Spark versus um, Amazon. So there is that difference. Um, the other part, the kind of thing you have to weigh is when you print your book through Ingram Spark, it does cost more than a book printed through Amazon. So you have to kind of take those things into consideration. So you will, you know, obviously make a little less money on the Ingram Spark book because it does cost more. The quality of the paper is better. So there, there's that process. So, um, and in terms of actually uploading your book, there is a fee associated with that. And again, I tell you, go out online, Google coupon codes, because as of right now, I have not paid for a single book on Ingram Spark. I've wow. uploaded them all for free. So I'm just go out there. There's lots of places you can get codes that will help you, you know, publish your book there for free. So all of my books are available both places. Now, as I mentioned, the reason that I have Amazon and that um, ability is if I went solely through Ingram Spark and just had my paperback book through Ingram Spark, and I could distribute on Amazon, but it's not always in stock. So if someone were to go order it on Amazon, it could take two to three weeks for them to ship it because they've got to communicate to Ingram Spark and Ingram Spark fills the order and it goes from there. They don't buy stock and keep it. Amazon doesn't buy stock and keep it to ship. So that can be a big problem when you come down to like selling books at Christmas time. Because you know, you go to buy a book and two to three weeks, people will move on and go do something else. Wow, that's that's a really great point to make. So so it's important to publish in both places. And then I with Ingram Spark, I imagine you just uncheck the distribute to Amazon box when you when you Correct. look where you want it distributed. Uh, so that brings up something else interesting that I'd like to ask you. So when you do order copies of your books for a library event or, or a reading, which you do a lot of uh, in-person book signings and readings because you have children's books, and I think that's really lovely, um, where do you choose to purchase your books from? Do you, do you buy them from Amazon print on demand or do you order them from Ingram because of the better um, quality of the paper? Which one do you choose for your, for your own personal events? It's actually kind of a toss up. Um, I've done both. It's usually because I try not to keep a ton of books in stock because they are more expensive than, um, you know, they're three to four dollars a piece. Now, I could go and have them printed in um, China. I know a lot of people do that, but they have to do that in quantities of a thousand. Mm. I'm not doing big enough events yet where I need a thousand copies of a book. So, um, I, I look at how fast can I get the book mm. and you know quality obviously is important too so I do want to make sure I'm getting the best quality mm -hmm. so a lot of times I will use Ingram Spark but that does mean you know the toss-up is you, you don't make as much money off of a book not that I'm ever going to be rich well maybe I will <laughs> we're all gonna be rich yay <laughs> I know it's it's tough being an author I mean every book you sell you only make it you know a couple of dollars because of all the you know everything that goes into it so you know these millionaire authors have sold <laughs> like billions of books I only imagine and sold movie rights and and different things like that so that's why it's important to retain your rights because you know yeah. it becomes a movie or you know, it takes off in another country, it's still 
your product and you see, right. see the, the money from that. Uh, so I will say, Ray, that I have ordered um, several of your books on Amazon, and I think the quality is actually fantastic. They're beautiful. So, you know, I, I would love to maybe one day when we meet up, which we're going to talk about all of it, which I think we're going <laughs> to do in December, and I'm really excited about uh, at the Equus Film Festival. We'll get into that in a second. But I would love to see, like, the side-by-side product just to just to see the difference, because I think the Amazon product is, is beautiful. And yeah, I... I, I we have not i i've had a very few problems with amazon um it, you know i hear horror stories all the time but um the last problem i had wasn't actually in the printing it was in the way they shipped the books to me hmm. you know so i had some damaged books um because for some reason i ordered a huge quantity of books and they shipped most of them in a nice box all packed up really nice and then they sent me like two books in an envelope and it was the two books in the envelope that were all bent up. And I'm like, I can't use these. You know, so they, be, they become my, my reader books when I'm reading to kids and stuff. But, you know. Did you, re- did you reach out to Amazon and, and tell them that the product oh, yeah. was damaged? Did they replace it? Yeah. Oh, yep, that's, they did. Yeah. See, so, that's good. Yeah. They're really good about that. Good. Yeah. I, I've actually really liked working with, with Amazon a lot, too. Besides, besides when they get into pulling down you know, authentic reviews from my page, which hasn't happened in a really long time, but that's a whole other topic. Um, but working with Amazon has been pretty great. So uh, going back to your book readings, and you, know, you do a lot, of, a lot of book signings and in-person readings for children at libraries and in schools. Uh, I was wondering if you'd share a little bit about how you set yourself up for success in an event. And, um, you know, I mean, a lot of times people reach out to me and be like, how many books do I bring to this event? And, you know, how do you determine the amount of books? I think it's really, really hard because some events are really awesome and you don't expect them to be and other events are, you know, not awesome and you don't sell a lot of books, you know, it just depends. So it's, talk a little bit about your success. Yeah, it really, it really is kind of a guessing game because um, you don't know how many people may come to an event. I'm doing... Um, the Great Valley Book Fest next week and it's down in Central California and I'm a little nervous because I'm like this is like the biggest event I've been to and um, I'm thinking okay how many books do I bring because I just don't know and I was at uh, the Children's Book Festival the Scholar Shared Children's Book Festival uh, about two and a half three weeks ago and uh, met another author who I hadn't known but she's from this area and uh, she's actually going to be at the Great Valley Book Fest. And I said, well, how many books do I bring? You know, I know there's like supposed to be five to 6,000 people at this event. And she says, oh, I only bring about 10 copies of each of my titles. And I'm like, 10 copies? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I could sell out, you know. But um, so it's, it's, it really is a guessing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I was up in... Um, Gray Eagle, it's that the little mountain town that is at the central part of my book, Mountain Girl. And I did a book signing outside of this little store and I did 45 books in two hours. Fantastic. And this is, we're talking about a little small town. Yeah. You know, it's never know. You never know. Yeah. I, I kind of, uh, I base how many books I bring on, like if I'm traveling, like if I have to get on a plane, uh, you know, if I do a local event, I just leave all my books in my trunk. And then, you know, if I need more, I'll go get them. But as a rule of thumb, when I go to 
and sometimes I sell out, but sometimes I don't sell any or, or very many, you know? So as a rule of thumb, when I'm traveling, I usually take like 25 of each of my books, which weighs a lot, you know, because, you know, my book, you well, know, yours you're, are thicker. Yeah. you're lucky because you, yours are smaller because they're children's books. So you could, you can throw a hundred in there and it's pretty easy, but yeah, so it's, it's all a guessing game. And then uh, so we talked about quantities of books. So do you do anything? Do you have any like special giveaways or do you have a special display or do you do any special outreach to set your events up for success? Um, when so, you go with these? Uh, yeah, I do a bunch of, I try to do a bunch of marketing ahead of time. Um, I'm actually finding that boosting Facebook posts, hmm. believe it or not, are actually helping. I, that event that I went to up in the mountains, um, I had done that for a week ahead of time and did some other things like reached out to the local newspaper and posted, uh, you know, just go online and search for any event calendar that will let me post something for free and going and putting something out there. Um, but the Facebook posts, I was so amazed at how many people came by because they're like, Oh, I saw it on Facebook. Wow. And I was like, there you go. And it's pretty affordable. Um, I think I spent $20 and had, um, I want to say, 900 hits, if you will. I mean, obviously, I didn't have 900 people, but um, just that and getting that exposure, I had a bunch more people following my author page. So there's there's a whole bunch of positives that can come out of that. So um, I do do that to start with, um, and then um, obviously at the event, just being there and getting people around and talking about it. Cool. Well, congratulations. I mean, you, I've seen pictures from your author events and they always look like you're having a great time and the kids are loving the books and, and um, it's a great way. I think events are a great way to get out there and be seen and have additional sales and take you out of the online world because you're interacting with people and people are learning about you. I really enjoy doing events just you know, it's a little different, you know, we can be kind of introverted as authors, you know, sitting in our <laughs> houses doing our, you know, our work and, and getting out to events. I, I really, I always find that I'm really inspired and I meet some really, really cool people when I go to events. So I love seeing that you're doing that. Speaking of events, congratulations. I, my air I yeah. did buy my airline tickets this morning. I did. I bought mine yesterday. So congratulations. <laughs> Your books, Cowgirl Lessons and Cowgirl Christmas are Equus Film Festival literary nominees. And I'm so excited. You just emailed me and said that it looks like you will be coming to Kentucky in December this year. The Equus Film Festival is at the Kentucky Horse Park and there's a big uh, literary corral, which I'm helping out with, uh, with all the authors. So I'm so excited you're coming, Ray. So tell us a little bit about um, how you feel about the festival and how you learned about it and um, what you, you know, what you're excited about going to the event this year. Well, um, I learned about it from you, actually. Um, you had posted <laughs> about your award and I, I was like so excited and happy about that. And then I was like, Oh, I wonder what that's about. So, you know, cause I hadn't, and it, it's so exciting when we as independent authors get the recognition. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was curious to know more about it. So I did the research and I saw that they had a children's book category. And I, so I reached out um, back in January and uh, was talking to them and said, you know, can you tell me the, how to, um, submit my books and got the information and, I'm so excited that both books are nominees. I guess that's 
think it was, guess that's what we're calling it. And uh, anyway, so um, to, uh, we're so excited to come out there. You know, at first when it came out and said, you know, we could do, go to the literary crowd and I was like, December, how can I do that? You know, it's so close to Christmas, my daughter's in school, uh, you know, all these factors. And uh, my husband and I talked about it and we said, okay, well, maybe you can just go out. But I don't want to just go out by myself. I want, you know, him to be with me because he's a big part of this. You know, mm -hmm. I can't do what I do without him because there are times where he's being the equestrian dad. And matter of fact, that's where they are right now is up at the barn. So, you know, <laughs> it's important for me to have my family and we talked about the whole aspect and we're like we need to pull her out of school i know it's it's really important she's a freshman so this is like her first high school experience you know so that's been a little hard but we're like this is a good um, learning experience for her as well being at the horse park and the international museum of the horse and just the the film festival and the literary part and we're like we, we just have to do it so we're well, very excited. It's perfect. And, and for your daughter to see her very successful mom who took on a dream of writing children's books and now being an award nominee. I mean, I think that that's, that's a really showing, uh, showing your daughter like anything is possible. I think that that is really great too. And your, and your family's going to have a fantastic time. There are so many wonderful people and you get to meet and network and just, it's, it's fun. And there's so many great movies and, and your husband and your daughter, while you're, you know, talking with people that are interested in your books are going to be entertained. I took my husband with, with me the first time I went and he had a blast. Like he had just as much fun as I did. And, and we did it together and it was like a, it was like a fun trip with a purpose and it was fun. Uh, the other thing I wanted to share too, is I think the venue this year is perfect being at the, um, Kentucky horse park. I mean, it's like right in the middle of horse country, but it's also in tandem with like a holiday festival that the, the park runs. So there's going to be tons of action going on at the park. So oh, I'm wow. so excited <laughs> you're coming. I'm really excited to meet you in person and, and we're going to hang out and have a really great time. So congratulations again on, on the nominations you. of your books. That's exciting. So shifting gears, we talked a lot about events and that was really good information. Is there one common myth about being an independently published author that you would like to um, debunk right now? I, I wanted to give you kind of a platform. You have so much knowledge about, you know, all the, and you're obviously very well researched when it comes to being an independent author. Is there anything, any myth you wanna, you know, just be like, no, that's not true. I, I think the biggest myth is that people say that independent, independently published books aren't good books. That is completely 100% wrong. I mean, look at your wonderful books and, you know, I've, I guess we're all biased, but there are so many people out there that are publishing really great books and um, people just, to, they need to go out and embrace them because um, they, are, they are very well done. That that's fantastic, and I, I totally agree with you. I think um, I think independent publishing gives you a lot of power, and that's something that they want to you know not have you have. And th so there's these rumors that they're not as good, but that's not true. <laughs> yeah, well, and honestly, you know, I have friends that I've made through publishing and being an author um, that are traditionally published. And even if they're traditionally published, nowadays, the amount of work that they have to do is just as much as we do as an independent. 
I mean, yeah, it's okay. I have a little more because I have to work with my own illustrator and I have to have that control. But they're not, the big publishing companies, a lot of them aren't doing the marketing support and aren't doing the um, getting the books in different places. It's up to you. If you want to be successful, you have to do the work, regardless of where you're published. And I think that's um, just something that you as a, we as authors need to share so that people know that. That's true. Actually, I just did an interview with uh, Shelley Paulson, who is a really popular equestrian photographer. And she was talking about how when she, she her book, Horses and Portraits is traditionally published. And she was just talking about in the, in the last interview I did that there was a contract with expectations for her that she had to commit to with this traditional publisher. And, and, and there was like, we expect the book to be at this rank on Amazon. We expect you to have, you know, so-and-so events and send us a, you know, update constantly on what you're doing to market the book. So the marketing, actually, a lot of the marketing falls, no matter whether you're independent or traditionally published, on the author. So it's really great to bring that to the forefront. I know one of the things I was scared about was children's publishing, too, when you talk about traditional printers. If they give you an advance on your book, so say I sold my book to a, a traditional publisher, it's going to be a year, maybe two, before it comes out. So then they give me an advance. Well, that advance, may not, I may have to pay it back because if the book doesn't do as well, there's requirements for me to pay it back. Um, and I just think that's something that you have to think about. You know, in two or three years, your book doesn't do well, and suddenly you owe the publisher several <laughs> thousand dollars. You know, that's, a, and, that's a scary predicament. I mean, and it's yeah. very real. Yeah. Yeah. So, so okay. Awesome information again. Um, <laughs> and then, so, you know, just a few more questions here before I let people, you know, before you let people know where they can find you in your books. But, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about what do you, what, what is the hardest part of being a children's book author for you? And then on the flip side, what is, what is the best part about being a children's book author in your opinion? I think um, the hardest part about being any kind of author is, time, you know, um, because I'm not just a children's book author, I have to do other work. So just finding that balance of time, that's the hardest part. Um, I would say um, another kind of hard part, and this is just as a children's book author, is turning off that mom gene, because as I'm writing, I'm like, you know, you wouldn't be doing that. But I'm like, I'm letting my kid or my character go into um, search for a ghost horse, for example, in this new book that I'm working on. And I just have to turn that mom thing off for a minute or two. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, um, things I love is, it, and it actually has been in the moment of doing a reading where I've got kids around me, I've got parents around me, and I hit that one part in the book, and the parents are all back here going, aha, and laughing, because I've set something up, like for instance, in Cowgirl Lessons, she's searching for her book or her boot in the laundry in her bedroom and her bedroom's a mess. And, you know, mom comes in and finds it. Um, and it's just that little tweak there and the parents are just back there laughing and the kids are like, what? But then you do something different for the kids and then they're all giggling and enjoying the story. And just that moment right there is why I do what I do. Oh, exactly, right there. That's lovely. So there's something in it for the children and there's also something in it for the adults who are reading the books. They're, they're really great books. 
thank you for in time. Oh, that is the most difficult thing about being an author because a lot of us have, you know, second jobs and families and lives and fur babies and all sorts of other obligations. So, you know, finding a time and setting a schedule to write is, is one of the biggest challenges. I know I write in my car a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do uh, voice to text and send it to yourself? I have done that. I've, I've done the, as I'm driving, it's like, uh, Google, take this down. So I don't forget because I write and rhyme, so it's like it pops in my head. I'm driving. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't write it down, or you know, in the middle of the night, I wake up and I keep a notebook on the side of my bed, or you know, I'm at work and I've got a piece of scratch paper and I'm jotting something down. So yeah, and you know, it, it, I mean, it's in your blood. It's clear. You know, it's like I do all those things too. It's like as a writer, you've got to capture it when it when it comes to you, or else it's just it's lost. You know, I wake up exactly. all the time in the middle of the night and write things down on the pad by my nightstand. So yeah, it sounds like no, we have that. Going, what are you doing? I'm like, I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the same thing over here. So we have that in common for sure. That, that was so funny to share. Um, and then, so one last question. I was wondering what makes you feel inspired or like your, your best self? Um, I, I, I think I'd love to know that about you. Oh gosh. Um, I think just the creative process makes me inspired. I, you know, I, I get a lot of inspiration just from things that we do that we enjoy that I want to share, but that process of starting and then having something that I'm holding that's kind of tangible, but it's that, the, the writing, the editing, the fixing, the working with the, uh, with my illustrator to see what he comes up with. Um, I give him just kind of a description usually of what I want and what does he get? Is he going to come back with what I want? Is he not? I'm going to have to go, nope, got to start again. Or, um, you know, that just that whole process is very inspirational for me. That's exciting. Yeah. And I, it's like a gift. You're like giving yourself a gift and you're creating something for others that never existed before. I mean, there, there's a, there's something real to be said about that creative journey. So for sure. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with me, Ray. I've so enjoyed our conversation and there's so much great information for, for current authors and aspiring authors who want to learn more about, about writing and the process and your journey. So would you share a little bit with folks where they can find you and your books? Okay. So all four of my books are available online um, on Amazon. Um, and then I, you can find me on Barnes and Noble, on Powell's.com, or go over to my website, www.rayrayerankin.com. And um, you can find links to pl- different places you can go, like independent bookstores and Fantastic. like that. And can, it, you know, the holidays are coming up. Can people order yeah. autographed copies directly from you, from your website? Um, they can. I will. Um, I haven't turned on the link yet. I was working on that little bit of my website. I ha- I've had some little technological problems uh, in the last week. My hard drive with all my books crashed. Oh, my. I, <laughs> yeah. Luckily, they <laughs> saved a lot of it. They, I didn't save all of it, but they saved a lot of it. So I've been focused on that, but I will be turning that on on my website and then they can purchase autograph copies. Great. And you can come see us in Lexington, Kentucky at the Equus Film Festival and buy one directly from, from, from Ray, along with all the other amazing horse book authors (laughs) that are going to be there. Uh, And then, and social media, can people get to your social media channels from your website or do you want to share where uh, where you are? 
So I'm on Twitter. Um, you can find me. My it's kind of a little odd name. Um, it's Cavazzoli. It's a Italian family name that I started my Twitter page on, and I just can't get rid of it. So it's uh, the word cave, C-A-V-E, two Z's, A-L-E. So that's my name on Twitter, and then on Instagram, it's Ray Rankin author, and same on Facebook, Ray Rankin author. Fantastic. And I will link to all those, those places in the show notes so people don't have to you know, rewind and remember how to spell things. So all the links to where, Ray, where you can find Ray and her books will be in the show notes. And thank you so much for the gift of your time, Ray. I, just, I love working with other authors and spotlighting their books and what they're doing. And thank you for the wealth of knowledge you've shared today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, thank you so much. You, you have actually been a real inspiration for me in the past couple of years as well. So I really appreciate being on, on here for you. Oh, well, thank you. And, and you know, I, I think that's what it's all about, like inspiring each other and helping each other and being resources for each other. And, and I, I just value, value your, your author friendship. So thank you for being <laughs> on the show and you have a great day. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes, and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horsebook authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.